0: You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, I'm Pastor Mike Duchesne. i I'm, uh, I'm uh, actually uh, been worshiping with you guys here for about, what, three, four months since we moved down to sunny Florida from Michigan, and uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, you guys, this is just an incredible, incredible church. The the, the music, these guys, these guys rock. They really do. Uh, they, they do, they do. And the fellowship, uh, you know, uh, just a few more hard-boiled eggs out there would really help. Uh. <laughs> well, again, it's, what a blessing it is to be here today. Um, I I'm, I'm, Usually they don't ask a guest preacher to wrap up a sermon series, but I'm going to give it my best shot today. How many of you have actually read this book yet? Oh, okay, good. i, I got to tell you, this, this is a great book. I, it's one of those books where you, after you read it, you went, Oh, I act like that? Well, that hurt. I, I'm going to rip this page out. because uh. But that's the beauty of uh, the love that our Lord has for us. He's, he's not offended by when we do the things in this book, is he? Well, this last five weeks, this has been a great series. Um, A a couple takeaways. I don't know if you guys have, everybody takes different things away from sermons. But a couple things that I took away from the series, one of them is that most people, and I I was included, we think that we are entitled to our anger, don't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, it's my anger, I'm entitled to it. I like what Pastor John said in week two. How many are Superman fans? Marvel Comics Superman? Okay, my son Jacob definitely raised his hand on that one. What happens to Superman when he's confronted with kryptonite? He's paralyzed, isn't he? Well, Pastor John brought up, and it just hit me right between the eyes, that anger is kryptonite to a Christian. Remember that from week two? Yeah. Well, today's reading comes from Philippians chapter 2. This is this great uh, this great letter that Paul sends to the church of Philippi. Uh, a group of people that are, you know, not unlike us here today. Uh, but before we get into that, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. What a blessing it is to be here and to share your word with these brothers and sisters. <laughs> but Lord, as we continue to look in that mirror of our own... Sin. Help us to take your word to heart and be less offended by those who aren't like us. So, Lord, as we hear your word this morning, be with us. Open up our hearts and our minds. And we ask this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to get to our readings today. It's Philippians 2. If you brought your Bibles or if you or high-tech, and you want to look in your phone. I won't think you're playing some kind of game. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Well, Paul writes, Therefore, if any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and in one mind. I mean, the sermon could be right there if I didn't go any farther. But then he goes on to say, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, we should highlight that word, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of that as Christ Jesus. This is that part of the book of the Bible, easier said than done, if you didn't know that. (laughs) Who being in very nature God, do not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess. The glory of God the Father. You get that? Okay. You know today's reading is there's so much. This there could be a series just in this reading. But I want to open this morning and ask you guys a question. Now you, this is your fifth week in this lesson. But let me ask you a question. And, and don't worry, if you get it wrong, I'm not going to tell Pastor John. I'm not going to take notes and tell him that you got the question wrong. But the question is, if you could describe Jesus, if you could describe Jesus, but I only want you to use one word, what would that word be? Oh. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty quick default answer, isn't it? How about God? How about Lord? How about Savior, right? All of these, if any of these were your answer, then you would not be wrong. However, as we often do, we go in a different direction. I have a word for you. It's a noun. Probably not a word we would typically assign to Jesus if we had to use one word. But the word I'm going to give you today is humility. 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 You're probably wondering why humility when he's love, he's God, he's Lord, he's Savior. Well, let me kind of explain what I'm saying because when we look at Scripture, we see, oh gosh, several places throughout Scripture where Jesus is interacting with his disciples, right? He has these little interactions the disciples and sometimes it goes good sometimes it goes south real fast but there's one such interaction that Jesus has Matthew records it in the 18th chapter of his gospel and I love this story and you're all probably aware of this but he has it where he and I think this this reading goes hand in hand with the book that we're studying today unoffendable Because we read where Jesus is with his disciples and they're all hanging out and they're arguing who's better. Remember that story? You all read that. They're arguing of who is the greatest among them. Well, (laughs) yeah, right? Well, Jesus hears this little squabble and he gives this great visual This is where Jesus takes this little child and he puts this child on his knee and he tells his disciples in verse 3, unless you change, unless you change and become like this little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus is saying, unless you empty yourselves of all of this pride, that you have. All this pride is causing you to act this way. You're you're worried about who's the best among you? Then Jesus goes on in, in verse 4 of Matthew 18, and he says, whoever takes on the humility of this little child will be viewed as great in the kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus is basically telling them, and, well, telling us, That it's our pride. It's our self-centeredness that is leading us to get offended at every turn. Anybody else besides myself like that? That every time I turn around, I'm getting offended by somebody, what they say, how they act, what they do. And that's what this book really just hit me between the eyes with. Because they're not doing it the way I do it. That's not the way we've done it in the past. Well, my family does it different. See, that in the humility of this little child is where we can return to what Luther teaches, uh, the true image of God. He, He teaches in the Latin, the imago Dei, the image of God. That's how we were created, in the true image of God, that imago Dei. Let me put that in today's church language. We all use this term. We don't typically say, well, let's be the image of God. No, we want to be what? Anybody? Christ like, right? We want to be like Jesus. Now, in our reading today, there's another key point in verse 7. The words that Paul writes to the church in Philippi in the Greek uh, in verse 7 Kenoa, Kenoa, it, it, this is a concept. In verse 7, it is of great theological importance. And let me show you what I mean in the next slide. Because in verse 7, he writes, He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant that is being made in human likeness. See, in the original language, what this means, see, it refers to Jesus literally emptying, emptying himself as he approaches his suffering. He has to empty himself. And this is described by Jesus taking on human form. Now, on the surface, a lot of times that just goes, we just don't even really pay that much attention to that, do we? Oh, Jesus came as man, okay, cool. Now, let me just kind of turn the tables a little bit. Let me say, imagine yourself that you are asked to, to surrender something, something of great value. Something that you just cherish with all of your heart, to give that up for something undesirable, what would you say to that? You'd say no, wouldn't you? Come on, we're honest, we're friends. John's not here, you can tell (laughs) him. You'd be offended, wouldn't you? Come on. We would, right, absolutely. Yet Jesus gave up the beauty, the majesty of heaven to come here and to show his love for you and for me. He showed his love for all mankind, as Paul calls it, the suffering ser- servant, or as Pastor John called it a couple weeks ago, the sacrificial lamb. That he came to give his life for us so that we could return to being that Imago Dei we could return to being the true image of God I don't know about you guys but I could never in my life ever comprehend the magnitude or the enormity of what Jesus did for us by stepping out of his throne I mean at the right hand of the Father coming here. I know of no other event in history that could ever compare with this incredible act of selflessness. Because Jesus left the glory of heaven, eternity itself, to step into a time just when we needed a Savior. So that he might be with us, be with us, he might be one of us and become our Savior. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans that God demonstrates for us, while we're still sinners, why we're still offended, and why we're still doing what we want to do, why we're still who we are. Jesus died for us. We see Jesus emptied himself of everything, everything except his love for us. But here's a critical point here. When you hear stuff like that, it's very important to note that even though Jesus emptied himself of everything, he did not empty himself of his divine nature. Rather, Jesus remained fully God and fully man, holding complete his divine nature. Okay? All right. What's our takeaway in all this? We've been looking at this book for five weeks. What's our, what's, what do we take away? When I read this book, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Simply put, in Jesus' there is no sin. In Jesus, there is no anger. He was unoffendable. And it's here, friends. It's right here that we see this book, unoffendable, played out in the ministry of Jesus. Let me explain what I mean, because Jesus takes on human flesh so that our sin can be destroyed on the cross of sacrifice. And we see now that it is Jesus calling out to each and every one of us to take on his likeness, to take on his humility. But have you ever noticed what Jesus... Excuse me. That when he came to this earth, he came to live, he came to eat, to hang out. To basically walk the streets with not just holy church people, as you might suspect, but no, with fishermen, tax collectors, politicians, sinners, and saints, you and me. He came to show that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't even matter if you like him. He loves you. Because in his humility, Jesus was not offended by the sinner. In his humility, he was not offended by the non believer. (coughs) And in his humility, he was not offended by somebody with an opposing opinion in fact in his humility he was not angered by being nailed to a cross when in fact he said father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing so our bottom line today our lesson today is in his humility Jesus was unoffendable. So I guess the million dollar question that each and every one of you probably are asking right now is how how can I apply this to my life? How can I be more Christ-like? Well, I love what Jesus taught in Scripture. And Hanson brought it out quite clear in this book. The fact that Now hang on your seats because you might... Thank you so much. (laughs) See, now there's a loving Christian. Thank you so much. (laughs) But if you look at the scriptures and you look at this book, we are called to do many things, right? But we are not called to condemn unbelievers, but rather to love them, right? And we are not called to show anger and, 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 and disagree with people just because they disagree with us. Besides, Jesus did not draw people to himself by expressing shock and anger, did he? He loved them. Jesus was not offended every time someone did not, uh, someone did something he didn't like. See, he transformed people he transformed sinners into saints by loving them. Friends, we are to take on this new life, both promised and made possible by the cross. See, he humbled himself so that a Christ-like humility could be born in us. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Well, let me just kind of close it up because we have been on this five-week journey. But we have been on this five-week journey. We have been studying how to think, how to act, what to say when confronted by things that we disagree with. Today is, I guess, our kind of our final lesson. It's graduation day. Graduation day. Today is a, uh, is a day where we put on our cap and gown of Jesus' humility and go out into the world and just get beat up. <laughs> hey, call, call it the way I see it. But when we do that, friends, when we do that, people will see Jesus living in and through us by our attitude, by our actions, and the way we demonstrate this this Christ-like humility. Yet, let's not do this for ourselves. Let us do this For the glory and the honor of the one who gave himself for us. Christ Jesus our Lord. The one who teaches us that we are to leave behind our worldly desires. Our worldly titles. And exchange them for the humility of Jesus. And we are to become each other's servant. I see that displayed so much here. I cannot tell you. But I want to leave you with one final thought. Because quite often when you think about being humble, when you think about taking the the second row instead of the first, when you think about driving the lesser car or giving the seat up for, or opening the door for humility, is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is just thinking of yourself less. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful. We are so thankful that as we gather together today, you have given us this wonderful book to help us understand what you say to us through the Holy Scriptures. There's nothing that could ever replace the Holy Scriptures. But sometimes in our sinful state, we need to be told straight on that we are sinners and we need a Savior. So gracious Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the humility of Jesus. And I thank you for this time today as we can come together as the body of Christ, giving praise and honor to the one who came for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.